Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Carolyn from Digital Trusted Identity Services. Carolyn, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you for inviting me, Brad. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So can you tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, and a bit about your company and what you guys are doing? Been in sales my whole life, really. I've had a few different verticals that I've worked within, but I have always felt that sales is solving problems for people. As long as you know your product, then you can transfer over that over. So I have... um, I came over to digital. I've been in the HR space for the last probably eight, 10 years. And I just recently came over to digital trusted identity services late this past fall. When I was evaluating different organizations to go to, this one really jumped out at me for a variety of reasons. And so I'm I'm very excited about rocking and rolling with them, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So what are you guys doing? Tell me a bit about the product, what markets you're going after also. What is Digital Trusted Identity? Digital Trusted Identity Services was founded actually from the tragedy of 9-11. We are 51% owned by the American Association of Aviation Executives, which is actually a nonprofit. After 9-11 happened, they realized that they needed to know who worked in all their airlines in the U.S. and who worked in the airports. So they went to one of the largest biometrics companies, Dayon, at the time, and then formed us as an independent LC. So we process all the fingerprints for TSA, all the F... So we also were one of the original FBI channelers. And now having come from the HR space, I thought I knew fingerprinting. I thought fingerprinting was fingerprinting, right? Like I thought it was still on the old cards. So I've had a lot to learn on the J curve of this. And that's, I'm even more excited that I'm here because there's so much education that has not happened into the HR space specifically on this. And so DTIS has the, the their whole business really has been in aviation. They process like 1.5 million TSA background checks, fingerprint background checks annually for the vast majority of all the airlines and airports across the United States. And so I came on to to take us outside of aviation, right? So we're one of the largest, the original FBI channelers, but yet outside of aviation, nobody knows about us. So there's my challenge. There's a great story behind it. I've got a long history. You can't get higher ethic levels where everybody's had to be FBI level two screened and our performance is spectacular. So that's where I'm I'm taking that outside of aviation. Absolutely. So you're taking this outside of aviation. What's your strategy? Like what are from day one things that you started to do in activities and strategic direction, all that stuff? Great question. And that was part of my my plan when I had to lay it out to them, not having even known much about fingerprinting. But the first thing that I did was, okay, who has to get fingerprinted? And pretty much anybody that works in governments, if you're going to be a nurse, if you're going to be a contractor, general contractor, anybody that's going to work with populations that are vulnerable. Now, I did know that in a prior client that I had with some school systems that even those lunch ladies 
that are serving the kids lunch, they have to be fingerprinted. So any vendor that's even painting the walls in a school during the summer, they have to be fingerprinted. My plan is really awareness, is getting awareness. And a lot of being government, I created a calendar for RFPs. So I know whichever RFP is coming out for background checks and fingerprinting, I have a calendar. Okay, get ready. This one's coming up. So that's one side of it to make sure that I'm on board for the next bids that come out. And I'm happy because there's an org, there's a, uh, an area called group purchasing organizations in the procurement world. And GPOs have become quite powerful within themselves because it allows organizations to not have to put their own bids out, but yet they can piggyback on others. And there was, I was able to jump on a fingerprinting RFP for a GPO called Good Goodbye. They're out of Texas. So that hasn't been awarded yet, but my fingers are crossed because then I can really go out to all these municipalities and they can then piggyback off of this main contract. So I'm waiting for that. That will be a huge, huge win for me. Love it. Very cool. What tools are you using to identify and target buyers and reach out to them and all that stuff? So Brad, that has been our challenge because beforehand there has not been even a CRM. They just never had sales, right? They never needed it. So it's, so we just got a CRM set up. I went with HubSpot for their marketing background, the marketing aspect of that they have in them because not only am I in sales, but I am a team of one for marketing. It's really about, you know, how best to use your time to get brand awareness out that. And we also just went with a Bambora product that for intent, so I can get intent information, which frankly, I think it's huge. It was very helpful to me in my past life and to know who's in the market, who's searching for that. Um, so that's where I'm going right now. And on the other side of that is, is for getting awareness and education out. I'm wrapping up a white paper on a particular aspect of fingerprinting, a second generation FBI fingerprinting. That's as close to being like on-demand information as you can get. And nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. And I just look at this. I'm like, I don't, I think every school system should be using this, but nobody knows. So I'm doing a white paper on that. And I'm, I've created a speaking, speaking program for it. And right now I'm trying to get it approved by SHRM. So there's some HR accreditations and then hopefully speak about it in front of HR organizations where they can get credits and just learn about what else is out there. Like the technology is there, but that's about all. People don't know that. So. Absolutely. So it sounds like you're really focusing on awareness and then creating resources, assets, things that you can share, ways you can deliver value to these organizations that you're targeting. Awareness is huge because one, I think of in sales. Okay. So what you can, if you can solve a problem, you got to make them realize that there is a problem. If you can solve the problem, information is power for them and create those solutions. Like Brad, I've gone around to some procurement meetings and I met with one city to, you know, like all the, I was shocked at this one, all the, to all the people that work in the city need to get fingerprinted, right? If you work for the government, where are they getting fingerprinted? They have to go into the correctional facility to go get their fingerprints. I'm like, are you, that's insane to me. Like, why not have it 
like easier use, have it make more sense for people. But in that particular population, they have to go into the jails, into those correctional facilities to get a fingerprint taken. Talk about an experience, huh? Yeah, totally. Interesting. So as you think about strategy for this year, this awareness stuff, how do you decide like what to create? And you mentioned like a white paper. How do you come up with that and figure out what to talk about and all that stuff? I actually read the TSA's annual report on, um, like I'm learning, right? Like I'm learning about my market and I was enthralled, to be honest with you, about all the data that was out there on, on this TSA annual report. And basically how much fingerprinting they've done, how much. So I started doing some more research. And for example, this is the thing that kind of was a red flag to me. So then I called our folks and I'm like, okay, who's doing our FBI wrap back? It's called a wrap back program and, and scheduled a call with this person. So Digital Trusted Identity Services this past year in 2022 performed 1.5 million wrapbacks for TSA. And what that means is TSA was the only organization that I've been aware of so far that has mandated that everybody that works within the aviation industry has to agree to be enrolled in their wrapback program. So not only do they just have to agree to be fingerprinted, they have to agree to be enrolled in this particular program. And wrapback, it's a program where if a court system anywhere, right, has say, let's just say that luggage, the guy putting the luggage on your airplane, say he had something happen that he had to get involved into the court system. Well, that will immediately trigger a notification and it gets notified, it tells us, and then we tell TSA, right? Every other organization, a fingerprint is a one-time snapshot, where this is an online, totally constant notification system. So with that, we had 1.5 million processes, services done, and out of that 5.3% had a wrapback notification. So that was about 80,000. So eighty that so five five point three percent of everybody that year, there something happened that triggered a court system notification to the employer. Now, if I was a school system, I would want to know that, right? Versus a one-time thing. So I started doing some research, and that's where I'm writing the paper, and then using that as, as a baseline for education. So I think that really breaks it down. If- for other sales folks out there, how you should be learning about your market and creating content and all that stuff. That's great. And creating, okay, for sales, right? Because this is what this is about. But what makes you different than the guy down the street? And that's really what I realized for us. We are one of the very few FBI channelers in the country. There are only about 15 of us. Whereas anybody can buy fingerprinting equipment and open a shop but there are only 15 across the country that actually have the authority from the FBI to handle that information. So what makes us different? Yes, that does. And especially um, this notification program, because we do their second generation, second, this second generation fingerprinting system. So I was looking, what makes me different, right? And do we do the Florida Department of Law Enforcement? Do we do all the healthcare administration? Yes. 
But in addition, this is what you get with digital trusted identity. So I think it's important in sales to find out, okay, what is your advantage? Is your advantage price? Is your advantage service? What is it? And then you find those problems and create the solutions by, in my mind, in this, it's by educating. Because I thought I knew what fingerprinting was until I really started learning what fingerprinting was all about. I love it. Well, any closing remarks as we wrap up the episode here? Any closing remarks? What do you see as things in sales that are going to be hurdles for 2023? Do you see any differences? Yeah, I think it definitely is going to require a lot more sophisticated approach. I think just simply emailing people and saying, hey, we're selling this product. Here's the price you want to buy. Might not work as well as we go into this year. So I completely agree with you that education, providing value, being a resource. I love what you're doing with really learning about all the regulations and TSA and all that stuff and being able to be a resource to folks. And these school systems might not know about this stuff and you're really providing value in that. And I think that's the future of what sales is going to look like. Thank you. I think you in sales, to be honest with you, coming back from my pharmaceuticals. Okay. I'm going back a few decades, but I used to call in oncologists. And I remember the time when I'd call in oncologists for like, I needed, I could not waste their time. Like they would not see me again because I'm not providing samples or anything like that, like aspirin or whatever in the, in their offices, but it, they would only see me if I truly gave them information. So they would say, I may have a patient with stage four head and head neck, or neck cancer. And what do you have for that? And I would go into our libraries of abstracts. This is back in the day, but provide them value. Like you will, if you can be a resource for somebody and something where they can take the information and learn and use that, then you will have a loyal customer anytime. Like those doctors that like I would call on and I know that I provide the value because then I would get an email or a phone call. Like they would say, all right, what else do you do? I've got a patient with this. And that's when I really learned that I may be doing my job and checking off the boxes, but I am not being successful unless I actually solve a problem. And I know there were a few times with certain positions, I solved problems for them because I gave them the information that they needed to research and I just did the research for them. So it's a little different now, but that's when I really learned that you can't sell anything unless you really, one, believe in what you're selling, whether it's a product or a service, but who should know it better? Nobody should know it better than you. Absolutely. I love it. Awesome. Carolyn, thanks so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. And it's been a great conversation. Brad, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely.